Basky. Welcome to the Saturday edition of Basky, the Talent podcast where we cover basketball and hockey. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Hess, and with me, as always, is Mike Regan. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, fi- I'm amped up about something, so don't let me forget to bring it up when we start talking about hockey. Well, I don't know what you're amped up about, so it's going to be hard for me to remind you. Well, you just have to say, hey, isn't there something you wanted to mention? I go, yeah. Oh, I'm also pretty pretty jazzed about these new headphones I bought. I'm not wearing them now, but they're pretty nice. Some noise-canceling headphones, and they're pretty, pretty nice. All right. Well, now that you have the update <laughs> on Mike's headphones and a topic that I may remember to remind Mike about, but I may not, let's uh, get to it. So today in basketball, we're covering the old and the young, Mike. Mm-hmm. For starters, let's talk about some old men, that thing everyone always wants to talk about in basketball. Yeah. Can I... Um... So I have a good jumping off point for this. Is it an egg? No. But did you know, according to NBA's website and whatever model they use to figure this stuff out, Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, has the highest defensive win share in the league? Having watched him, that's not surprising. Uh, I, would, I would have said it should be Gobert. That, so the, the Timberwolves have the top defensive rating in the yeah. NBA. I was looking up different defensive statistics and like on multiple websites, it was just like T-Wolf, 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 T-Wolf. Honestly, like that win share and the defensive rating would probably be Jaden McDaniels to to lose if it wasn't for the fact that he keeps fouling out of every fucking game. Oh, yeah. Like there's, there's been talk. I mean, obviously for years, but there's been talk about how the Timberwolves should trade Carl Anthony Towns. But here's the problem. Those two guys between Towns and McDaniels can't string together a full game without fouling out. So we need both of them on the team. So that when fa- when one fouls out, we have the other one. It's just really surprising. See, I, I haven't watched enough Timberwolves, even though I love them. Because of my forever, my yeah, commitment Nasri. to Nas Reed as our one true Lord and Savior. <laughs> um, I still haven't got a chance to watch as much of them as I'd like. So, But that's a jumping off point, because I want to talk about an old dude on your team. I don't know. Is there any old dudes on my team that qualify for this? They're supposed to be 35 and over, but let me hear let me hear what old dude you're talking about. Mike Conley. Oh, that is that's a great call. <laughs> Just a steady hand. Good defensive numbers. I think he was like top ten somewhere in defensive win share. Chipping He's in fifth 10... in defensive rating, I know that. Okay. Chipping in ten points a game. Seven point two assist to turnover ratio. So basically every seven assists is when you'd have a turnover. He's just he's just a steady hand there at point guard as a vet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he was when he came in last year, but he's been he's been great to start the season. But since we're uh since we're talking some traditional point guards, hey, we we got to talk about we got to talk about these warriors a little bit. Yeah. We we got to talk about Steph Curry, Chris Paul, both guys 35 plus and just off to an insane start. Everyone loves to throw around the stat to start the season. I think it was uh like 63 turnovers or 63 assists to before he had a turnover or something like that, or, or 63 assists and three turnovers, whatever it is. Now it's up to 66 assists to seven turnovers, which is just an outrageous pace. I mean, it's, it's, it's unsustainable. Sure. But to start, it's been great. Also, I, I, we should go back and count the number of times that Chris Ball was traded to a team that already had a point guard, and the conversation was, can these guys play together? And then immediately they could. Like, it definitely happened on the Rockets. And it definitely happened on the Warriors this year. 
it was kind of the perfect fit because while Curry is still a great passer, he's never had like the wildest assist numbers. That's because he's such, you know, an offensive force and the greatest shooter of all time. So you bring in a guy who's more of like your old school traditional point guard like Chris Paul, he's going to start dropping dimes, dropping dimes. Yeah. And Chris Paul's coming off the bench. And it's just helping Curry so much. I mean, Curry's at a career low in minutes. With the with the new rules about rest days and how many games you have to play to hit all NBA or awards, this is how you have to rest guys. This is how you have to load manage guys. Is you need to get 38-year-old Chris Paul in the building to give Curry time on the bench so that he's not just out there doing, what is it? He ran like a marathon a game or something that one season or had like, he averaged like 22 miles per game. You remember this? You remember when this was a talking point? Was this the year before last? Yeah, it was like two years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. Where every every few games they would have like the sports science guy come on and they would just like highlight Curry and then draw a little like line behind him as he ran around. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, look, on this possession, he ran 19 miles. If he did that every possession, he could run to the moon and back in six six times in one season. You think in the future? Never mind. I said to go a totally different direction. I call yeah, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Well, I mean, we got no. we don't have enough time to hear it, but let me hear it. I was always thinking in the future it would be cool if there was just like a thing that connected to the moon. You could just like drive to it or something wild like that. I always thought that would be cool, or like a really big elevator. Anyway, Chris Paul. Um, you should watch the opening to Ad Astra. Nah. <laughs> Brad Pitt falls off a space elevator to start that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I love space elevators, theoretically. Uh, You like space-to-moon elevators? Yeah. But to speak to Chris Paul one more time... Speak uh, to him. I'll speak speak on him. Speak all over him. How good he's been doing. I mentioned that assist-to-turnover ratio about Mike Conley. If you can't tell, I came across the stats today, and I was like, this is a great stat to make points on podcasts with. Um, So I'm throwing it in again. He actually leads the league right now. 9.64 assist-to-turnover ratio. This dude's dropping 10 dimes before he has a turnover. Impeccable. Impeccable. Let's also, mm-hmm. real quick, while we're, while we're talking about the Warriors and kind of dancing around it, just to bring up, once again, Steph Curry, 35 years old, supposed to have already gone beyond the age cliff for undersized guards, still playing like the best shooter of all time. 30 points per game so far on 51-47-92 shooting splits. He's shooting almost 50 from three to start the season. Far and away leads the league in three-point percentage. Currently, also, has the highest real adjusted box plus minus. Now, Mike, you might be wondering, what is real adjusted box plus minus? I am. I don't know. (laughs) But it's one of those stats that people tell you is really smart. It's like PER. Where, like, the first time you hear about PER, you're like, what is this? And then three years later, you're like, that guy's got a PER over 20. Zaza Pachulia must be the best player in the league. Nothing, nothing on Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't ring. It doesn't ring a bell to me. Zaza Pachulia? The, the name does, but if you get, told me to tell you what he looks like, uh, he looks like one of the Titans from Attack on Titan. Oh, he played on the Warriors. Yeah, his last name was Pachulia. Yeah, how'd you say I, it? I don't know. I thought his name was something different, but yeah, he looked like a, a Bond henchman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know he was in the LeBron James draft? Yeah, didn't, didn't he uh, step on someone's ankle or something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Who was that? It wasn't that he stepped on someone's ankle. It's that he got in their shooting space and hurt him. 
Yeah, they he's came a dirty down, player. But, Who yeah. was that? I think maybe when he was playing for the Cavs, he did it against Clay Thompson. Is that right? I don't did know. He, did he do it against the Rockets when he was playing for the Warriors? But who would it have been? Because it wasn't Harden. It's probably Chris Paul because he's made of glass. <laughs> the glass man, as we call him. I love how we were talking. We were like giving him all these flowers, and then I just had to throw a dig in there, <laughs> balance everything out. Dude, Curry is just. We're lucky to live in a time where we could be like, yeah, I saw the greatest shooter of all time, and he was unconscious many yeah nights. my league pass watchability rankings i have a, a section for bonus points where i award a bonus like you can get at most one bonus point but the warriors bonus mm-hmm. point is literally don't take steph curry for granted just watch warriors games while still in the league man yeah so he um if you break down the sh- shooting percentages a little more he's 59.3 on two points and then three pointers he's 47.3 that's really close like there's not many people, any person that has a similarly close like gap, don't shoot as many threes. Keep in mind he shoots forty seven point three from three point. He takes like thirteen point two a game. The next closest to that is Doncic, who's shooting forty one point five percent. He takes ten point four. But then like third place is Desmond Bain at nine point eight, and you see his uh percentages plummet to thirty six point four. Like taking that many threes and shooting the percentages he is, is unreal. Right, like, our, our traditional understanding before Curry, and the, the, it's the whole Curry change the game thing. I know we're getting off topic, and we have other old guys to talk about, but it's the whole Curry change the game thing. Our traditional understanding of the way three-point shooting was supposed to work was, you're either an efficient three-point shooter, or you're a volume three-point shooter, and those are how you get your points. Then Curry comes in the league, and he's like, I'm an efficient volume three-point shooter. And they're like, yeah think you're allowed to do that <laughs> it's the i think you should leave you gift. Yeah. and speaking of stats that sound smart but i don't really know how they're calculated uh one share he again? is you going there yeah he no he is sandwiched between two players he is second in vorp yeah value over replacement player yeah 0.9 behind only the uh almost the joker but you know what i'm talking about <laughs> Behind yoga, do you call him and he's the Joker because it pisses me off? Is this like a bit you're doing? I usually, I usually just say Joker. I don't put the the in there. It's unnecessary. Uh, no, I just come around on the nickname. I don't hate it that much. But the other guy who he's sandwiched in between, along with Art, like the reigning NBA MVP. Well, not reigning, but should be reigning. No offense. I think he deserved it last year over Embiid. It was close. Uh, it was at least close. Yeah. Is his 0.9 VORP is tied with Luka Doncic? Like these are two of the greatest players in the game in the primes of their careers in their mid twenties, and then there's 35 year old Steph Curry. Um, man, I guess PER got better. It was always fun to go back and look at PER statistics just while we're talking about statistics that don't make any sense mm-hmm. because it would always be like the top of the board would be like number two LeBron James, number three Steph Curry, number four fucking James Harden, and then number one would be like. Boogie Cousins or something. Yeah. But they fixed it. Now it's Jokic, Embiid, Booker, Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Shea Gilders, Alexander, Therese Halliburton, and uh, oh, there you go. Number 10, Mark Williams. Oh, there, there's the weird one. On the Hornets. So while we're talking about old guys, a couple other old guys we want to talk about. First off, let's talk about Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kevin Durant. Poor Kevin Durant. Feel bad for Kevin Durant so far. Currently, 35.7 minutes per game. This is 35-year-old Kevin Durant, averaging more minutes than his age. Him and LeBron are getting, like, no help from their team. We'll talk about LeBron more in a second. But Kevin Durant, they trade away 
DeAndre Ayton for a package of players that some have been good and some have been Yusuf Nurkic. And in return, they're reliant on this top three, this big three, right? In the age in the age that we're now in of the, the stars and scrubs with two great guys, some medium guys, and some bad guys, some really bad guys. He's gotten two games out of Bradley Beal, which were the last two games they played, one of which he only played 24 minutes in, in the same game, in the same game that Bradley Beal played 24 minutes, Mike. How many minutes did Kevin Durant play? Bradley Beal played 24 minutes, you said? Yeah. Kevin Durant played 37. 42. Holy shit, the entire game. Oh, not the entire game. He got six minutes of rest, but still. He got six minutes of rest (laughs) in a regular season game early in the season. And that's the other thing, right? Like, the Suns have fallen behind. Yeah. They, they, They should be in that top of the West conversation. Like, if you just flipped the Timberwolves and the Suns right now, it would make a lot more sense with where those teams are supposed to be going. But because the Suns have fallen behind, they're so reliant on Kevin Durant to be out there that they can't afford to let him rest. So two games, Bradley Beal, he's, he's been back for the last two. Only two games, Devin Booker. And Devin Booker and Bradley Beal haven't played a game together. Currently, Devin Booker is injured with no t- timetable for his return. That is concerning if you're a Suns fan or the Suns owner or the Suns. Yeah. I... Or the Suns coach. Him too. Who is... Why can't I remember? I'm no longer, no longer Monty, and now it escapes me. Frank Vogel. Yeah, Frank, Frank yeah, Vogel. Yeah, okay. I started to say the words Frank Vogel, an NBA title, and for some reason in my brain they didn't connect. Like it doesn't seem like a thing. But you're like, I, yeah, Frank I, Vogel, the subway spokesman. <laughs> yeah. But there should be a term for, you know, the people are always like, oh, 50, 40, 90 club, and they have like all these fun little terms they like to do for players. There should be a club called the, we'll call it the 30 at 35. If you're 35 years and older and you're averaging 30 points a game, you're a member of that club. So, so far we got Durant and Curry who are in there in the club and it's bumping. But to speak to what you said, Katie and Curry are the only two players over 30 that are in the top 10 of usage percentage. Like Jesus just Christ. So ridiculously. You said KD and Curry? Yeah. LeBron's not? No. Damn. Surprisingly, LeBron knows how to load manage when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. And it, he, so we'll talk more about this in a second, but I don't know how sustainable this is, also from the sense that how often is Durant healthy for a full season? And they're yeah. relying on him. I mean, they, they need, right now, if they're going to continue like this with Booker and Beal bouncing around on injury reports, they're going to need 65, 70 games out of Durant. And That's I can't why. remember the last time he's played that much. Like maybe. Maybe on the Warriors, he played like 70 games in a season. Maybe young Durant in OKC, probably. Before he had like that one season where he basically missed the whole year. He's had a few of those at this point. That's true. That's why it was so surprising, though. when I was just looking at the stats and saw that he's the amount of minutes he's playing a game. I'm like, this early in the season? Like, Do we really want to do that? Like, start the season off with this kind of load on Durant? Doesn't seem smart. Yeah, but they're they're five hundred right now. They're seventh in the the West. Like they're not even in the playoffs right now. He just has to get. They're in the play-in game. Oh, I guess they're, they're in the playoffs. Seventh is in the playoffs. Eighth to play-in. It's just frustrating if you're a no seventh to play-in. Seven, eight, nine, ten are the play-in. 
God damn it. I always get that wrong. I always think that it's 8, 9, 10, 11 is the play-in. I <laughs> would not. You'd think I would know that with my team playing in the play-in every year. Yeah, because then you would end up with nine playoff teams. What's your problem with that, Mike? Team gets a bye. Makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. But you already mentioned it. Booker and Beal only playing two games each. He, he just needs help. Like they yes, made really. the, they they made the big trade to get those three together, and almost ten games into the season, it's hasn't happened yet. So th- there's a chance that they get healthy, they get the band fully together, and then they go on this run. But I was kind of uh, bearish. Oh, I got this is like the second podcast. You do right? this every week. Yeah. I was lower on the Suns. Like I still thought they were gonna be a really good team, but if you asked me going into the season who is your pick to win the West. My safe pick was the Nuggets. My more fun pick was the Lakers. I'd go with Eisenhower. Eisenhower is going to win the West. Who won, who won, yeah, who won the, the Western Front in World War whatever? That's the joke I was going for, but I don't know my history well enough. I think Eisenhower was big in World War II. Yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's why he got a highway. Yeah. And became president. I feel like that would be the more important thing he... Okay, but he's not still president. The highway still exists. Yeah, I remember. I like Ike or whatever his buttons would say. I thought that was because of Tina Turner. <laughs> she... <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Too soon somehow? <laughs> <laughs> Decades later. Too soon. So got, got one more old guy to talk about here real quick. It's uh, the man, the myth, the legend. LeBron James. The tiny emperor, as they call him. Oh, come on. What? You're not going to say LeBron James. So LeBron James, or as Mike would say. LeBron James. There you go. Another guy like Kevin Durant, he's kind of the only thing keeping the Lakers above water. I shouldn't say. He's not as much the only thing because Anthony Davis has been very good. But to use a bad stat, not even going to say noisy, it's just a bad stat. But it makes my case for me. That means it's a good stat. So to use a bad stat that's actually a good stat. The Lakers are currently minus 34. With LeBron off the court compared to when LeBron's on the court. That's brutal. Yeah. Like, that's extremely brutal when... This isn't make... this doesn't compute. The Lakers were supposed to be the team with all the depth. Where's the depth? Yeah, the, you know, the... Torian Prince has missed some time. Austin Reeves got demoted to the bench unit now. Rui Hachimura has had a rough start to the season. D'Angelo Russell's been oddly good, but that won't last forever. I've seen the shit before. How many players have been traded away from the franchise that drafted them and then eventually traded back to that franchise. Mm. It was just D'Angelo Russell, no one else. Yeah, that's crazy. It's the only thing that he'll be the best at in the NBA ever. I was about to say, LeBron signed with Cleveland, so he didn't get traded back. Yeah, he also never got traded away. You know LeBron's the only player in the NBA to never have been traded? I feel like Michael Jordan didn't get traded. I I just can't believe you ran with the absolutely ridiculous thing I just said. Oh, like I actually tried to counter it? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, LeBron James. So once again, before we really start talking about all this Lakers stuff, I do have to point out Anthony Davis has been very good. These two guys are actually keeping the Lakers above water, although I shouldn't say above water because they're currently 11th in the West, which means they would be out of the play-in unless you're doing my version of the play-in, in which case they're in the play-in. Anthony Davis averaging 23, 3, and 12, three blocks plus steals a game. Currently leads the league in stocks, as they're called. 
to start the season, Darman Ham came out and said that they're going to hold LeBron James under 30 minutes at a game so that he can kind of rest, recuperate, be good to go in the playoffs. I mean, the man can nearly start claiming Social Security, so we had to be careful what we're doing with him. But he's only played one game under 30 minutes since he said that. Like, he played the first game, 29 minutes. Darvin Ham comes out and says, hold him under 30. Since then, he's played one game under 30 minutes. If you take out his first game, he is averaging 36 and a half minutes a game. Which is notably still less than Kevin Durant, but still a lot of minutes. Despite that, despite that, Mike, despite that, still averaging a 25-5-8. and eight. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still, everybody, like, in the offseason, just to sound, like, contradictory or have something to talk about, people would be like, I don't know, LeBron's 39. Uh, like, do you, do we, like, do you not see who LeBron is? Like, this dude keeps himself in the peak physical form in modern-day sports where they can afford to have, like, top-of-the-line trainers and people who keep them in the best possible shape, not to mention the people these teams hire. So, yeah, is he, like, prime? Miami Heat, second Cleveland run LeBron? No, but he's still LeBron freaking James, dude. Like, what'd you think? He was all of a sudden start averaging 12, 2, and 2? I mean, I, I, I would expect the scoring to go down. Like, he's 39 years old, and he's still the third. He has the third highest amount of points from within three feet of the basket. Like, he's still, at 39 years old, he's still getting to the fucking rim, man. Like, he's not pulling up for two-pointers at the elbow, or just shooting corner threes. He's driving. He's still driving, and he's still getting to the basket. Yeah, and he, he still has that nice little turnaround fadeaway jumper that he kind of, like, I feel like developed and really started whipping out when he was in his, his second Cleveland run. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, the Dirk. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. I legitimately wonder. How long are we going to have LeBron James playing all-NBA caliber basketball? So here's like, my... I, I feel like we didn't have a podcast at the time, but it was the same conversation around Tom Brady, who won the MVP when he was, what, 43, 44? Something stupid. He's on Tampa Bay. You don't have to hate him anymore. He kisses his kids on the lips. He does kiss his kid on the lips. And LeBron James' kid had a heart attack, so. <laughs> that one might be too soon. <laughs> He's fine. He's going to play for USC at some point. Oh, boy. Yeah, that worked out great for other notable athletes. Yeah, but you know what LeBron James kid isn't the Caleb Williams is you gonna say crybaby he isn't a crybaby <laughs> <laughs> so you want you want my my prediction on this I do that's why we're here LeBron's performance up until his final season is never gonna crater like he's never gonna come out and have like they were never on the same level so I'm not saying that but just for as an example he's not gonna have like Vince Carter years at the end you know, he's not going to crater, have like a super small role or like something like that. I think if anything, his last year, you'll see his performance dip some. He'll get closer to like 20 points a game. And then he'll be like, oh, I lost a little bit of a step. It's been a great career. I played a year with my son. Deuces, I'm out. It's just like Tom Brady. Like his last season, like he obviously lost a step. The team wasn't as good. And then he called it. Yeah, it, it, it's once you lose the love for the game because you can't perform anymore, I think that's that's when these guys tend to call it. Mm-hmm. 
So when is that going to happen for LeBron? I mean, he said for years that he's going to play until he gets to play a season with his son, which first off, imagine being LeBron James' son. You're drafted into the NBA. You get to play professional basketball and you're a millionaire on your own. And your dad's always hanging around with you. <laughs> you're like trying to like go out to clubs with your friends and stuff. And your dad's like, all right, just be home by 11. We have a game tomorrow. I can't wait until like a big game and we have LeBron looking at his son like he's J.R. Smith. Just in total disgust for the things he has done. Hey, did you reject my Will Levis trade? Yeah, I told you. No, stop coming for him. Not even a counter? Nothing. You went went for two things that are unavailable. Uh, Will Levis, it would take a a certain kind of package. Number two, my my number one picks are off the table. Right. But here's the thing about that. Your number one pick immediately devalues if you accept that trade. Because you go from having Will Levis as your starting fantasy quarterback to having Matthew Stafford and throwing Cooper Cup on the pile. Yeah, and and I, you would get your own second rounder back. Why would I want Matthew Stafford in the dynasty league? That's the trade-off. You're trading away young assets and picks for a much better current fantasy option. Well, I'd rather just keep the young assets. It's ridiculous. Being preposterous. I hope he gets one yard and takes 11 sacks and retires. Well, at halftime, like Vontae Davis. <laughs> yeah. So, Mike, of the, the, we'll call it five guys. We'll throw Mike Conley on the pile here. Of the five guys we talked about, how many of them do you think hit that 65-game threshold to make All-NBA? I think Curry for sure does. I think if Curry hits 65 games, we see him make All-NBA, which would be a very mm-hmm. rare sight. Players over 35, it, historically, never make All-NBA. I, I could see Conley playing 65, but I don't see him making All-NBA. Yeah, he won't make All-NBA, but he, I, I can also see him playing 65. He, he has a much more limited role this year than even last year, as some of the other ball handlers have gotten significantly better. Yeah, because he also doesn't have like a, a super high minutes per game. Like The Timberwolves are smart. They understand he's older. They use him wisely, even though he is technically in the starting lineup. Yeah, he starts and then he'll he'll sit for long stretches when it's just Anthony Edwards being the primary ball handler. LeBron, I think, hits 65. I think he's out to prove something this year with all the 39 talk. And Chris Paul and KD are the ones where I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think Chris Paul would be all NBA, even just because of what his role is on the Warriors. But KD could be all NBA if he hits the 65. But this is injury history. It's tough to really bank on that i actually like when i well i'll let you say your piece before i mention this it'd be pretty cool if we got in 2024 a steph curry kevin durant lebron james first team all nba that would be well so that's what i was going to mention is that like i was like taking my notes putting stuff down i mentioned Connolly, wanted to mention chris paul obviously and then lebron and kd and curry i had under a little section called i labeled it old kings because I feel like in every league, there's this like transition period where the top stars of like the past generation like keep putting up that fight and hang around, even when it feels like the next generation is like taking over, they refuse to go away. I see what you're saying here. You want to do a a comps for Targaryens to NBA players? That's what you're saying. I hear you. No. Uh, what the fuck were you talking about? All right, Mike, any more thoughts on the, the old guy still got it? 
no, I would just say that on the whole, the old guys still got it. At least these old guys. Yeah. Well, since we talked about old guys, we got to balance it out by talking about some young guys. Let's do a, a quick little, a quick little, tiny little, uh, miniature little check-in on, on the rookie class. So, just want to outline a couple things here, and then, then we'll start talking a little bit more. Currently, rookie of the year odds, Wimbenyama, minus 360. Just going to keep shouting from the rooftops. I, I was hammering this preseason. Should have bet him while he still had plus odds. He was ever at plus odds? Yeah, that's on our on our futures podcast. Oh, yeah. That was one of my picks was Wimbenyama, rookie of the year. He was plus 130. Oh, yeah, that was free money. I think I may have said that at the time, too. There's no way to know, Mike. Otherwise, we'd have to go back and listen to our podcast. Number two, Chet Holmgren, plus 400. Mike, would you like to take a victory lap? Woo! There Let's you go. go. <laughs> Number three, Brandon Miller, plus 4,000. Number four, Osar Thompson, plus 4,000. Number five, Scoot Henderson, plus 7,500, which is purely based off draft capital because he has been terrible. Mm-hmm. He is dead last in the league in box plus minus. 204 out of 204. You're saying his... 8.8 points a game isn't really moving the needle for him. No, no, not really. If I was Portland right now, I'd trade him. That's what I'd do. Wow. I mean, it's not his fault. He's stuck with ball hog Anthony Simons, you know? Yeah, but, ball hog Shaden Sharp. Yeah. Derek Lively's but, not on there, eh? No, Derek, Derek Lively doesn't get enough play time. I think he is easily one of the top five rookies so far this season in play, but he'll, he's never going to win the award because he doesn't have county stats. He only plays like 9.8, 10.1 minutes a game. He's also not the sexy, like, blow up the the point sheet kind of guy. Yeah, he's he's more of a defensive stalwart so far. Mm-hmm. So, early returns, kind of what I want to talk about here, Mike. What are the chances you think that this class could kind of equal the 0304 class. This is a reminder, 0304, LeBron, Mello, Wade, Bosch, Kyle Korver, David West. Those are your top line guys. That would be Wait. That was not What names did you just say? LeBron, Mello, okay. Wade, Bosch, right, Kyle right. Korver, David West. Yeah, I thought you didn't say Mello for a second. I was about to drive to Chicago and start beating you. Um <laughs> That's so, a- what, three and a half Hall of Famers out of that class? Chris Bosch is the half one. Okay, that's thank about, you. I wasn't, no, I wasn't, wasn't trying to short Mello. I know it's on brand for me. There's recency bias with Mello where people short him. But that's a very high bar to hit. Like, do you think one of these guys is going to be the greatest player of all time? Well, Wimby's in the conversation. Just saying. <laughs> a little early. Would you, I, right I, now, all-time NBA rankings. Wimby, nine, eight. <laughs> all, all time. After nine games, I, I got to put him at number yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> it goes LeBron, Jordan, Wimby, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I do think it's fun that prior to the draft, during the draft, it was Wimby, 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 Wimby. Going into the season, Wimby, 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 Wimby. And now everybody's seeing... Hold on a second. This is like overall a good rookie class. Yeah. Also worth noting, I did add Chet Holmgren in here and say, as part of the the same class, he did get drafted a year ago, just didn't play at all because he tore his ACL. Yeah. He had, no, he hurt his Liz Frank. 
Whatever. No one knows what a Liz Frank is. Uh, last night, OKC played the Kings in a NBA in-season tournament game. Which, props to the NBA. Night one of the in-season tournament, fucking ugly-ass courts. They got all those out of the way. The rest of the courts mm-hmm. have been fine. But Chet was fucking bullying Sabonis, man. And Sabonis couldn't do the same thing back. I, Sabonis is kind of a soy boy. He's kind of a cuck. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, drive hard. He just, he's, he's the king of the fadeaway. But yeah. little stick man Chet Holmgren was putting his shoulder into Sabonis and getting to the rim. Yeah. This dude. 55.4 from the field. 50% from three. 87.88% from free throw. You're not supposed to be that tall. Apparently, according to history, for some reason, if you're that tall, free throws do not compute with your brain. You can't do it. You're doing a lot of Trump hands today. I know. <laughs> it's sad. They can't make the free throws. People tell me I make the most free throws. <laughs> and it's... He's a unicorn. He's like Chris Stops if Chris Stops actually hit his potential. Whoa. <laughs> Boston Celtics currently the number one seed in the East. Mainly off of Chris Stops with that, you know, sad excuse for a beard. It's ugly. <laughs> I mean, mind you, Chet Holmgren's beard is not much better. Um, it's thicker. I'll give him that. He looks like Gonzaga. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, you know, he looks like a player from Gonzaga, which he is. But, like, if someone said draw a picture of Gonzaga, I would draw Chet Holmgren. He's the embodiment of He Gonzaga. is the embodiment of Gonzaga. What the fuck were we talking about? Okay, uh, 03, 04 class. So, if, if you just had to guess right now, based mm-hmm. off of the world's smallest sample size... How many of these players in this class will make an all-NBA team at some point? I know you're, once again, setting a very high bar. Wemby's On a gonna... very low sample size. Yeah, Wemby's going to make an all-NBA team. I think Wemby and Chet locks. Mm-hmm. Those guys have looked incredible. And, like, incredible early. Mm-hmm. Right out the gate. Those guys have looked like real NBA players. I mean, Chet... Chet has a chance to be the second best player on OKC this season. I read that one article you put in our podcast rundown. I read it. Uh, who who wrote that, by the way? I, know, I can pull it up real quick. It's not important. Might, might have been uh, Zach Cram. He does a lot of that stuff. Okay. But he, yeah, mentions, Cram. he mentions in it that Holmgren is like the prototypical modern day big man, what people want in the NBA. Same thing with Wemby. If Wemby could shoot threes as good as my guy Chet can, you know. He's not as good from downtown as my boy Chet. Other than that, that that's really what he is. And so I for sure think Wemby, Holmgren, they're locks. So then we're looking at like what? Brandon Miller, the Thompson boys. I I, I don't know if I put Brandon Miller. I would put Osar Thompson in there. Um I'll be honest, I haven't watched much Amon Thompson. But I think Osar Thompson has been been quite good. Most good. He's the only rookie who's at double digits in boards. And you know what they say about the board man? Board man gets paid. <laughs> it might be a while before I have a, a stronger opinion on Amin Thompson. I'll just say real quick, and we'll, we'll move out of the way because I, I don't really need to talk about Amin Thompson, but I hate watching these Rockets, man. Like, I, I guess Alfarin Singoon is fun to watch, and like maybe Amin Thompson will be, but I do not enjoy watching the Rockets. He just has a catchy name. You hear the name, and you're like, ooh, Alfred Sangoon. Sangoon. 
That's not booze you're hearing, folks. They're saying alpharin. Uh, but if I had to guess, uh, so I, if we're if we're putting these into like power ranking categories, I think mm-hmm. Wimby and Chet are locks to one day be all NBA team players. I mean, maybe maybe Wimby this year, probably not, but maybe, but probably not, but maybe. Then like a tier below that, I would put like Asar Thompson and Derek Lively as one day all NBA potential players, and like a tier below that, it's like no, no, maybe is like Brandon Miller. And Scoot Henderson, if he gets his shit together, and kind of players of that ilk, like these scorers who who are doing all right or bad, but might might have something click. So right now, I would put it at two definites and two maybes. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good class. It's just looking at like some Derek Lively stuff is on my screen when I'm looking at this rookie class. I have this vague memory. Of us doing our futures pod, and someone really was like poo poo in these Dallas Mavericks, and I was wrong. <laughs> All right, I was wrong about Dallas. Okay, that is they're off. quite good. They're most good. Most good. I also think this class has the potential to be an all-time defensive class. Like oh, if yeah. you look at one of one of my stats, I like to to bring up a lot is stocks, which is just steals plus blocks. It's, it's, it's a way to make defensive counting stats a little easier. Current leaders this season, number one, Anthony Davis, 3.88. Number two, Victor Wimbayama, 2.67 per game. Number three, Scotty Barnes on the Scotty Barnes Renaissance. Number four, Chet Holmgren. Number five, Osar Thompson. Like, there are some good defensive pieces. And that's ignoring, once again, Derek Lively, who has been a great defensive piece in limited minutes. Or some of the guys on the Timberwolves who have been very good defensive pieces in, in limited minutes. Or Anthony Black, who's been a good defensive piece in limited minutes. Uh, not so limited minutes, but a good defensive piece without the counting stats. Yeah, I uh, also think, you know, and that's been like the one weakness that's been pointed out. I, I think you sl- you mentioned it in passing as well earlier. Like once Chet bulks up some, hits the weight room, and he'll be able to compete with more of the bigs he's going to be matched up against with inside, that will help a lot as far as his defensive ability goes. Yeah, like, I think that OKC is going to get obliterated by the Timberwolves all season because they're small and their big man, Chet, cannot compete in size against Towns or Gobert. I just had an image popping in my head of Gobert and Towns doing, like, this schoolyard bully thing where they're just pushing him back and forth. Chet's stomp. <laughs> It'd be great to shoot that and then just have like regular size people walk by, but all you see is the top of their heads on camera while you just see these giants pushing each other around. <laughs> little dots sliding around. We mentioned Chet for the billionth time because he's so amazing. I, I just got to say it. I think I've said it before. But I'm going to say it I love the Thunder starting lineup so much. Yeah, you're, you've been a, you, I mean, A, you're just a big Thunder guy, but this Thunder team's super fun. That's, I, I had to watch that Kings OKC in-season tournament game yesterday. Just because OKC is so much fun, and the Kings are kind of a weird team. I was never really in on them. I wasn't in on them last year. I'm not really in on them this year. But I knew the pace was going to be high, and it was going to be a lot of fun to watch. I got swept up in last season, in the vibes of the... Sacramento Kings sack town, but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty beam season. Yeah, I'm pretty much out of it this year. You got Chet, SGA, the Dort, 
putting people in the torture chamber. Jalen Williams. Yes. Yeah, J-Dub. Yeah, J-Dub. He's a better one. And then, obviously, you got my guy, Josh Giddy. Giddy's having a rough start to the season, man. He's starting to come around a little bit, though. Yeah. Scoring-wise, right. hasn't been there. We're off topic. At this point, mm-hmm. then we're talking about Josh Giddy rough topic. Uh, one more thing I wanted to point out, and then we'll probably move on, talk some some hockey here. But Victor Wimbayama currently averaging 19.9 points per game. He could be the 10th player since 2000 to average 20. And if he averages 20 points per game and is like second or third in stocks, that might be an All-NBA team. That might, like, maybe maybe third-team All-NBA. I'm sorry, this is Wemby, you said? Yeah. Yeah. What I think hurts rookies sometimes is they do an all-rookie team, right? Yeah. So people are like, oh, well, we're just going to put him on the all-rookie team, so we're not going to put him on the all-NBA team yet. Yeah, it's like how defensive players never are in MVP voting because they're like, well, they have their own award. <laughs> or, or even better, in hockey, like the Hart Award is just the forward award, yeah. and defensemen never get it because they're like, well, they got they got the Norris. That's their thing. It's like That's their thing. Like, yeah, goalies can't win MVP. They have the Visna. C.J. Stroud could throw for five thousand yards and like no more interceptions the rest of the year, and they'll be like, well, offensive rookie of the year. He already has that. <laughs> we gave him something. Yeah. All right, Mike, any, uh, any final thoughts? Rookie class, old men, NBA in general? Uh, uh, scale, scale of 1 to 10, where, where's the fire inside of you raging right now for Julius Randle? I'm, 10 being it might actually set you on fire and kill you, 1 being uh, mild indigestion. But really right, right in the middle, like a 5, because, well, there's no middle really of 10, so that would be like a 5.5, but... Basically, I already was souring on him, and then Jalen Brunson came in and became the, like the dude, and then I was totally out on Randall. And so I've been there for a while, but no one's going to take thing, that contract. Same thing happened to poor Carl Anthony Towns. He was the savior of the franchise right up until Anthony Edwards walked in the door. Yeah, and the last NBA point I have is so far, my Nuggets to win the in, the in season tournament bet that I placed sometime over the summer. Started out good. They're one to know. Just wait until they catch the Timberwolves. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Not gonna win. Not gonna win that one. Not gonna win that one. All right, let's take a short break and we'll talk some some ski, some chell, some chell, some chell ski. Mm-hmm. Breaking news, Mike. Hit me. The college football playoff committee has recommended a five plus seven playoff format. With the high five highest ranked conference championships plus the seven other highest ranked teams making the playoff. Well, they're they're already going to a twelve team playoff either way next year. Yeah, but that's the recommendation for how they'll structure it: the five highest ranked conference ch- champions, and then the seven highest ranked other teams. Oh, as far as the seeding goes, I mean, I I guess I mean if you win a Power Five conference, you're going to be in. You'll be in the top twelve, so that that's fine. So I think no other inputs. I think See, the, uh, no ruling on no ruling on Harbaugh either, but he's still not going to be there for their game against Penn State. Yeah, that the Big Ten deciding less than twenty four hours to finally be like time to hand down the, less than twenty four hours before the Penn State game to finally be like time to hand down the punishment. Michigan was literally on their plane flying to Penn State, and they dropped that. 
But unfortunately, Michigan's a law school. They had so many lawyers and shit on standby, ready to fucking do this. So, <laughs> and uh, ever, all the the Big Ten teams are sharing their signs now, or something. It, that was great. Big Ten's getting all this shit, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, look at this. All these teams are passing our stuff around. It's turning into a just turning into a total." high school drama shit show and i love it i love every second of it all right with that our weekly college football segment on the basket podcast is over let's go ahead and talk some chell i said i was fired up i had some something i wanted to hit two things i want to hit real fast hit it. Before, before we talk hit about it. that fun division out west hit it. first of hit all it. i don't hit it <laughs> my boys got it together Devin Levi's locked in now. I know. I know. He's he looked, He's been good. He looked so good last night. 9.43 save percentage. Made some really nice stops. He had the one one-timer from Capri, uh, Caprizov. Came across the crease to the other side. Snapped that five-hole closed tight. And, and got he had a lot of really nice saves that were good to see. But, yeah, Levi's playing great. And the other thing is, are, are you ready to go ahead and just change your tune on Connor Bedard? Four-point game. First rookie to do that since 1964. 11 points on the season. Connor McDavid has 10. Eight on five on five for Bedard. Connor McDavid only has four. An individual expected goal per game or per 60 of 3.85 for Bedard. That's only 1.65 for that other Connor that I've started to forget his name. So throwing it out there. Dude, Bedard's hockey senses. It, it's just, it's another level. This kid. I mean, do you see him? And he ha- most of the time during the game, he has this like blank robot stare. It's Cause he's just, the gears are turning. He's seeing what's going to happen in the game. You'll watch him on the offensive end. Like I, I'm not even talking about his transition game. That's ridiculous for a rookie, but you'll see him on the offensive end. When he doesn't have the puck, and he's being guarded by adult men on defense, and he kind of does that Mark Stone thing, where, like, you get distracted for a second, and you look over, and fucking, I don't know, Corey Perry or something has the puck? Or Taylor Hall, they play together. And then you look up, and suddenly Bedard is just open in the slot somehow. Or he'll have the puck, and he'll just, like, drift to the outside and cross-ice pass it to someone who just has, like, a lane to fire a, a shot at goal. I don't know how this guy has vision like this. It's almost like his eyes are fisheye mode. Like he is seeing more of the ice in the offensive zone than we see on the broadcast angle. The one goal he had in that four point game against Tampa Bay, there was that puck in the neutral zone that him and some Tampa Bay player were going for. And he reaches the stick around this dude and taps it. And it goes right over to Felino. That wasn't by accident. I'm telling you people that puck hit Felino way too perfectly for that to be just a happy accident and then they, they obviously they go up pass over to Felino and Bedard just immediately forehand backhand and then he got a little help it came off the pad and got kicked in by the defender but still and then the one assist he had on the Perry goal Perry was in front of the net and just like put his stick on the ice and it, it was a tip in but you know sometimes like on deflections you see the player kind of move their stick a little bit Perry didn't he just put his stick down and Bedard put it exact right spot boop in the net <laughs> It was like bumper bowling. Yes. This kid's just so good. So I just wanted to take a small victory lap yeah. on that one. Yeah. Bedard's good. If only he could be big. If he could be good and big, he'd be an NHL player. He's still um, a child. 
He is. Like, if you talk about someone who might actually get a little bigger, mm-hmm. Bedard might grow an inch or two. I mean, Giannis did. Yeah. All right. So, all that aside, Sabres look good. Bedard looks good. We're not talking about them today, Mike. Nope. We're talking about the Pacific. The weirdest division in hockey. What, you got a weirder division than the Pacific right now? I just wanted to be a a dick and disagree. (laughs) So, I'll I'll list off the standings here. We're going to kind of go through this in a random order. Just talk about a few of the teams for the next, uh, you know, 45 minutes. Current standings, Vegas 1, Vancouver 2, Kings 3, Anaheim Ducks 4, Seattle Kraken 5, Calgary Flames 6, Edmonton Oilers 7, San Jose Sharks 8. We only have so many minutes in this podcast, so we're probably not going to get to the Kraken or Flames and maybe not to the Ducks. But all three of those teams still in really weird places. Calgary is just like budget weird Ugh. Edmonton, so I get the, you know, we can, we can discount them. Seattle, though, was a conference final team last year and is under 500 on points percentage. We're definitely not going to get enough time to really go in depth on them. But we got to start at the outlier of all outliers so far this season, the Edmonton Oilers. And I say the outlier of all outliers. Vancouver also has a good case for that. So one of the outliers of all outliers, Edmonton Oilers. Currently, 2-9-1, points percentage. 0.208. They gave a victory to the Sharks. They waived Jack Campbell, who's now in the AHL. Which, by the way, did you check Twitter? Did you see that video I sent you on there? I don't think Like, so. right before we started recording. Oh, no, that I didn't see it. Yeah, you might want to watch this video. But Jack Campbell gets waived, gets moved down to the AHL. In his first game in the AHL, allows four goals on 20 shots. Oh, no. I don't even know. It was like a backhand with, the like, the least amount of velocity as possible that just, like bounces and rolls and goes over his pad. Poor Jack I'll, Campbell. Uh, I'll, I'll include the tweet on the website when we post it, and I'll link it in the tweet mm-hmm. that I send out after the podcast goes up. It, it's not a good look. Not a good look for Jack Campbell. No, it's not. Here's... Okay, so... You know what? Let's have a bad faith argument first. Are the Oilers completely broken? Yeah. You know, it's... I knew we were going to talk about this. And after they lost to San Jose, I already started. I'm, I'm a natural stat trick. I'm a money puck. And I'm like, you know what? Screw this. It's, it, it's pointless. Like, you can look at it and look at all the standings. Expected goals. Shooting. Uh, or, sorry. Expected goals. High danger chances for. Shots on goal. All this stuff. Super high. And then you go down to, like, shooting percentages. Basically, there's having no success. I mean, they outshot San Jose, I think. What was it? Like, 45, 41 to 16? Something wild. 41 to 18, yeah. Yeah. And some people might be like, oh, you know, there's bad puck luck. Like, no, this isn't puck luck. As much as it is. And as much as we like to think that if you're getting a lot of high danger chances, shooting percentage will just magically start to increase. That's not the case. Like, here's an idea on a high danger chance. And if they're not going in, you're not shooting to the right spot on the net. You can't beat goalies. Only two guys on this team can. And they're struggling to do it right now because the team around them 
and you can't even like lean back on well if they had better goaltending. If they had better goaltending, they probably could have stolen some of these games. But the D men in front of them are struggling so bad. The shooting percentage is so low. Something has to change. Something about the system and the way they're playing has to change. And whether that's Woodcroft, I think there's a lot of heat going towards Ken Holland, and rightfully so for the way he constructed this team. It's been pretty terrible. See the Jack Campbell contract. And I think it should probably be a full cleaning of house. And I don't know. Tear it down. Trade Drysaddle. Trade McDavid. <laughs> Let's do it. If you're the Edmonton Oilers, you really just have to get Drysaddle and McDavid in a room and say, you guys are actually the GMs now. Tell us what you want to do. Because you have to do anything you can to keep those guys happy and on the team. Here's my question for you, though. Is there any chance McDavid's still hurt? Remember, he missed a couple of games earlier, but he is... He has not looked McDavid-y. I mean, he, he hasn't looked, like, as deft with the punk puck on his stick. He hasn't been able to, to get the puck into the net. Only three goals. Only three expected goals through ten games. I believe only two actual goals. Still worth noting. I did. I did. I was like, looking at all these McDavid stats, and I'm like, man, this is such a bad year. Still a point per game player. Yeah. Yeah. He's played 10 games. So I think he only missed two or three. So there's two. Okay. So there's totally a possibility that he's, I would, wouldn't, I would be totally unsurprised to find out he's still a little banged up, but it's like, hey, we suck. We need you back. And obviously he's, a top-tier athlete, he wants to win and help his team. So that would yeah, make... See, to- see our whole conversation on Kevin Durant, if you want a further in-depth analysis on what that's like. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, of course, he's going to come back. And you were correct. He has two goals on the air. Okay. Uh, we got we to keep moving, because we could talk about the Oilers for all 45 minutes. Just want to point out, now, now that we've made... What's up? And it's also like, how much longer are we going to do this? I mean, like right here, we got to move on. We could, we can't talk about the Oilers. Yeah. We would Oilers, not, not- Oilers are, are low key turning in to the Lakers of the NHL. Like it, they've almost yeah. usurped Toronto. It's like every, every segment on hockey now has to be on the Oilers. Mm-hmm. So now that we've made all the bad faith arguments, you know, just, just raw stats and everything. Like he kind of opened it up saying, worth noting league leading 57.39 expected goals percentage, second worst overall goal percentage. So there's a major gap there for some reason. We're, that's, that's kind of what we're all wondering if it's going to stabilize. And uh, just once again, quick check-in, like I did with Julius Randle. Scale of 1 to 10, where's your concernometer with the Oilers? I want to say full 10, but I don't be that dramatic, so I'll say 9. <laughs> It's really high, but I said coming into, like, I felt coming into the season, everybody needed to temper their expectations. Like, I know Alcone played good for him last year, but that worked out. They got above, Stuart Skinner may have played above what he really is, and I felt like everybody needed to calm down a little bit. I did not think it would go this bad. This, I, I thought they would still All-star be. All-star goalie, Stuart Skinner. Yeah, I thought they would be above 500, 12, like, 12 games through the season. So I didn't think it would be this bad, but. All right, next up in the Pacific. You know what, Mike? I'll let you pick. What team you want to talk about next? Let's let's, let's get to it. You can take your victory lap because you are a believer in the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. I I have staked my entire reputation on the Vancouver Canucks making the playoffs at, I believe it was plus 200. Canucks sitting at 10-2-1 as a 
0.808 points percentage. 89% chance of making the playoffs currently, according to Money Puck's model. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me bring up some concerns I have here, Mike. Okay. They are currently first in the league in goal percentage. And what that means is they are first in the league in the percent of goals scored in a game being theirs. They're 28th in the league in expected goals percentage. That is a 25% decrease from goal goal percentage to expected goal percentage. No matter what you believe about this team, that is an unsustainably large difference in percentage. And something that we should be deeply concerned about as fellow Canucks fans. We're not going to talk about them, but they're a great example. Seattle. You looked at their numbers last year and it was, you saw it and you're like, eh, that's not really sustainable. They're like goals above expected and everything along that line were very high, wildly high. Wildly <laughs> so the, high. the, the come down was expected and very possible for them. I guess the Canucks are in a similar situation. Like, can you really expect they currently have five players who are at over a point per game right now? Is that sustainable? Is Thatcher Demko's playing like a fucking Vezina candidate right now? Is that sustainable? I'm not sure, but on a high note, and something that I think is possible, is should we say it now, like Quinn Hughes for Calder? I think Quinn Hughes for Norris. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> All the Bedard talk has just got Calder in my brain. But yeah, Quinn Hughes for Norris? I think. Yeah. And I don't know what the we, odds are, but we set the staple last year. Well, for several years, you don't have to be a defensive stalwart to win the Norris. And Quinn Hughes has the point production right now. He's has the he's on pace to have the most assists by a defenseman in NHL history. That's probably not going to be sustained. If I was a, a big gambling man, I would not bet on that. But it, it's you know a pretty big statement for how good he's been. Yeah, I, I mean. I, I was looking at some odds earlier, and if Connor Bedard happens to get in some kind of tragic riding the red line related injury, Luke Hughes, Calder, Jack Hughes, Hart, Quinn Hughes, Norris, be kind of fun. That would be amazing. But even his, like on ice, that team is 17 goals for to four goals against. Like, there still is a lot of very good defensive play coming from him. No, he's I, I, he got a bad rap as a defensive player, and I think he's been good. I just don't think he's like Mark Stone, Patrice Bergeron. Probably should have named a defenseman in there. And you're also really happy if you're the Canucks. Kevin Taves. Like Elias Pettersson was your franchise center for the future. I'm pretty sure it's JT Miller. Old man's no longer <laughs> the franchise center. Uh, I think I think he's like what thirty. One or thirty-two, but uh, Elias Pettersson, it wasn't down, but it was like ramping up very slowly, and some people were like, oh, "I don't know." But you have to remember, this team has been in such a shit show of years where coaches weren't working, nothing was working. So to see Elias Pettersson finally get unlocked is a very good sign. JT Miller is a month younger than you. I'm old. I'm thirty. <laughs> I'm a man. Yeah, I would not want to be me. Not in the NHL, man. <laughs> no. 
want to be you in the NHL. It's like a, a bad situation to go for. Yeah, just to, to kind of close this out before we go on. We'll, we'll get more into this. But if you looked at goal saved above expected, three, four of the top six are from the Pacific right now, including the league leading Thatcher Dimko at 13.5, which is a full three points higher than number two. Right now, Vancouver is 2.1 high danger goals for per 60. So maybe the Oilers want to call them to see how to cash in on high danger chances. Also, as an update, do you think Vancouver would have any answers for that? Like if, if Jay Woodcroft calls up, I want to say Rick Tockett. Yeah. Jay Woodcroft calls up Rick Tockett and says, hey, how are you getting goals to go in the net? Do you think Rick Tockett has any answer for that? He goes, I'm as confused as you are. You'd probably be like, well, you see, when they're aiming, there's usually some sort of opening you're going towards. <laughs> not into the chest of the goalie. You don't want to go there or right into the glove. That's not good. <laughs> but maybe maybe pick a corner or two, bud. See what happens. As an update, according to oddshark.com, Quinn Hughes is currently fifth or tied for fourth in Heisman odds at plus 900. Heisman odds, you say? God damn it. Where's my brain today? Norris odds. At plus 900. Makar is still the heavy favorite, plus two. Adam Fox, plus seven. And I did you say that? Adam Fox is so good. He's so good. I have an unexplainable bias against him, and I will never be able to tell you why. And then in third place, my guy, Rasmus Stalin, plus 800. We're not talking about the Sabres today. It was related to tell you Quinn uses Norris odds. Also, why didn't you just pull this up on FanDuel? Why are you going to Odd Shark? That's a great question. That, that is a fantastic question. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. You got, you got any final Canucks thoughts? How about this? Uh, instead of concern-o-meter, uh, what's your Stanley Cup-o-meter? One to ten on Vancouver Canucks. Three. Three seems about right. This team makes the playoffs, I think. This, they make the playoffs. I cash my bet. Expected goals, not great. Not, not, not really believing this team is a deep, deep run. The, I could see a world in which they bubble-year Montreal themselves and make a deep run that they're like, well, this is real. Or maybe like Winnipeg, that year they were in the Western Conference Finals or the Canadian Conference Finals, whatever it was called. I could see a world in which the Canucks make a run all the way to the Conference Championship, losing four there, and talk themselves into this team without changing anything. Do they need to change anything? Come on, Thatcher Dimko isn't this good. <laughs> That's a fair point. Don't get Stuart they, Skinner. They got the the chubby guy from Silicon Valley playing on their top line. <laughs> also, just to let you know, I just pulled up FanDuel, and this is why I didn't go there. They don't have the awards odds up right now. They did before the season, and they're not listed right now. So Not enough people betting on it. This is why we got to go to Canada. I keep telling you, we got to live in Canada. Definitely. All right, Mike, figure next we should probably talk about current Stanley Cup favorites, Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I actually don't know if they're the current Stanley Cup favorites. I'm assuming not because they started the season low as hell. You got odds on that? Or are you going to fuck this me is, again? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I get it. Avalanche are still the favorite at plus 750. Okay. Hurricanes are second at plus 950. The Knights are third at plus 1,000. But the part that upsets me, I guess they're playing good right now, but they're Tied for third with the Boston Bruins at plus 1,000. 
Boston Bruins lead the league in points percentage right now. <laughs> I know. I just I was so like they're gonna fall off a cliff this year. Like they're gonna be a wild card team that's really come back to bite me. Yes. Why are the Oilers plus thirteen hundred? <laughs> Expected goals. Right next to the Rangers and like the the Kings are plus eighteen hundred. Like, do these odds not shift? I, it's a long season, so that's probably why. But I guess these odds just don't shift. No one like, abandons their priors. I like how you can definitely see who brought what sport to the table initially in our friendship. Because I had the same reaction when I saw Scoot Henderson. <laughs> odds that high for, for Rookie of the Year. I was like, what are we even doing here? This world's so fucking fucked up. Fucking fucked up. So real quick, Golden Knights, 12-2-1, 0.833 centage on pace for 136 points, which would notably be one more point than the Bruins got last year. Although that being said, this year's Bruins are currently on pace for 139 points. Which would be great if we got two teams that broke the point record in the same year that it was set last year. Currently sitting at a 65.7% chance of making the playoffs. I'm going to say that again. Currently sitting at a 65.7% chance of making the playoffs, according to Money Puck. To make the playoffs. What? I was just curious what the Oilers percentages were. Oh, uh, do I have that down here? Oilers were 52.6. Fuck those stats, nerds. Okay, so with all of our, our initial outrage subsiding, mm-hmm. Vegas has been outrageously lucky. They've been good. They've also been outrageously lucky. Or... Their play style is breaking models, which as someone who wants Vegas to be good for whatever reason, because, you know, it's fun when a team's good in Vegas. I'm going to go with the breaking public models. Currently expected goals are 17th ranked. Their regular goal percentage is third ranks. And Aiden Hill sitting at 9.3 goal saved above expected. We really going to believe that Aiden Hill is the best goalie in hockey? Well, he was the best goalie in the playoffs. So why can't he be the best goalie in hockey? I think we would have known prior to this year that Aiden Hill was the best goal in hockey. I don't think that that was just going to suddenly come up in his whatever age 30 season. I don't know. I really loved the way you said, I, I think we would have known. <laughs> I think, I think it would have come up a conversation. It's just surprising that now you have to go, you know, the best goal is in hockey, you know, Igor Sturkin, Andre Vasilevsky and Aiden Hill. Also Aiden Hill's only 27. Also the Vegas has the fourth most block shots by teammates. Like, they're getting in front of the puck. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe maybe their play style just breaks these models. Because their expected goal percent is really low. I'm sure because there's a lot of high danger chances getting through. But you can also tell from their, their block shots by, by skaters. They're getting in those fucking shooting lanes, man. They're not making it easy for people to score. And then on the other end, they're taking high danger shots. I mean, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just eye test. They're... Not taking a ton of shots, but they're taking good shots. And then they're just allowing, like, the hurricane offense on the other side. Just, you know, slap it in wherever you want on the ice. You're not getting into the slot. Yeah, their their D-men are committing. Alec Martinez, 11.9, 11.09, shots blocked per 60. Braden McNabb, 9.34. Alex Petrangelo, 6.36. Even if you're give up a lot of shots, they got boys getting in front of them. And also they got the most underrated player in all hockey. Wild Bill Carlson, leading the team in points. He just got dropped in our Dynasty League, and I'm trying to, like, galaxy brain 
how I can get him on there without dropping someone I really like. Is that why you're trying to trade Zegris? <laughs> I, I did trade Zegris. Like, if I could trade Zegris away, what's up? I traded Zegris so I can take Leo Carlson off my minor squad. I got an offer for Cider, uh, and the offer was Panarin and, uh, God, uh, Fantilli, I think. That's Who's Fantilli? Fan? Maybe it wasn't Fantilli. It was some other rookie. It's definitely a rookie. Yeah. Might have been Fantilli. Did you uh, process that trade? Do you have to do that in the Dynasty League? I can check. You wanna, while I'm doing this, you want to you wanna talk a little bit about Vegas? I mean, I guess I can just take yet another victory lap that I said this would happen. I said they were disrespected. I said they kept this team together, and they were going to do it again. I, I will agree. There are some underlying numbers where you're like, ah, that, that might not be sustainable. But even if they come down, like 12, 2, and 1 right now, even if they come down, they're still a playoff team. They still possibly win this division, and they're still one of the favorites in, in the West. They're still going to end up meeting the Colorado Avalanche in the Western Conference Finals as one and two seeds facing off. It's already written. I've foreseen it. Well, I already called that it's going to be Vancouver there, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Vancouver-Dallas Western Conference Finals. NBA or NHL in shambles. Can't sell any tickets. Is Dallas the most fun team in the NHL that no one watches? Oh, uh, Arizona. Arizona's so much fun. Yeah, but Arizona. Arizona Arizona's the two years ago OKC of hockey right now. I was going to say, Arizona's fun in like the same way the Orlando Magic are fun. It's true. Like, watch Logan Cooley and young players cook and lose games. That, That's that is... who it was. It was Logan Cooley and Artemi Panarin for Mo Sider. Oh, uh, okay. Knew it wasn't Fantilli. Yeah. Fantilli having a good year, though, but we're not talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets because no one does. <laughs> no one does, yeah. And there's another fun team that no one ever watches. All right, Mike, uh, you want to go Sharks? You want to talk a little bit more about the Sharks? What is there to talk about? 211 and 1, 0.83, or not 0. 0.833, 0. 0.203 points percentage. Currently, last place in the league. If you just look at by wins, tied with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. 0.5% chance to make the playoffs. Let me ask you this. Who had a worse loss to the Sharks? Philly, who gave up the Sharks' first win of the season, or Edmonton, who just lost the next game to them? It's Edmonton. Because they should win? Because they should beat them. And also, it's... Like, if you think sports are fixed... Edmonton losing to the Sharks, like in the the fever pitch that was what the hell is happening with Edmonton, for it to happen there, lose to the worst team, by far the worst team in the league. I mean, you couldn't write a better story. How stoked do you think the Oilers were when Philly lost to them that they didn't have to go up against the winless San Jose Sharks? Like, imagine if the Oilers had given the Sharks their first win. It would have been way worse, but they also officially put the Sharks on their first win streak. Unfortunately, it, unfortunately it ended the next game. But. I like how I said, you want to talk about the Sharks? And we proceeded to talk about the Oilers. They're the new Maple Leafs. It all just comes back to them. <laughs> uh, Sharks have the lowest expected goal in the league. That's not surprising. By far, the lowest goal percentage. They have a goal percentage of 19.23%. Of hey. I was astounded by how low that is. Mike, the difference between 
the the lowest goal percent and the second lowest goal percent is the same as the difference between the second lowest goal percent and the seventh highest goal percentage. Like the Sharks aren't just bad. They are so bad. How like if you are running the San Jose front office, you should be fired immediately for not have traded Eric Carlson mid-season last season instead of sitting on him and missing out on a high-end chance at the Badad sweepstakes. Like, this team might be the worst hockey team I've ever seen. So I've been so astonished and impressed by their ability to tank that I actually didn't consider that, that they should have expedited this a little bit to get in a better position to get Badad. I mean, I guess you're not a believer in Will Smith. I liked Independence Day. like Fresh Prince. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Um, <laughs> you know, Men in Black, he has the rap. Here comes the Men in Black. Men in Black. It, I, I, I'm trying to think of something interesting to say about the Sharks. Other than they're just so terrible. I, also, I bad hockey really city. Bad team, bad hockey city. Like, at least when Chicago is bad, you're like, oh, this is a shame. This is such a good hockey city. And, you know, they're losing all these games. But they're going to get Bedard out of it. Now, bad city, bad hockey team. Their Vancouver Canucks knockoff ass mascot. I say we move them to Arizona. Put two teams in Arizona. Yeah, because they can't find a one. The first one can't find a fucking place to play. But let's go ahead and toss they another Clippers, one in there. They could Clippers Lakers this shit. If there's two teams there, they'll definitely be able to make rent. Definitely. Let's see. Uh, out of curiosity. Oh, never mind. I went to FanDuel to see what their odds were to make the playoffs. FanDuel does not have them on the board. <laughs> they don't they're, want to risk it. They're currently minus 200 to be the worst record in the NHL. I think that, that feels pretty much locked up at this point. Who, who's close to them? Let me see real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Oilers are obviously close to that. <laughs> Tied for the worst, low, lowest amount of points in the league. Uh, Chicago, Nashville, twice as many points already. And then, like, the bottom teams in the East are Ottawa at 10 points and Chicago at 11 points. So, yeah, so far, they are far and away have the, are, are looking very good, unless Edmonton continues to, to like, stop bringing up Edmonton, Michael. By the way, just to correct something, something I said earlier, the Sharks' points percentage is not 203. It is 179. Oh, I see. I was about to call you out on that. You got, yeah. any, more, you got, you got any more thoughts on the Sharks? You want to give, you want to give people a positive note? What, say, what's the most positive thing you can say about the Sharks? I like your GM because he used to play for the Sabres. <laughs> Who is it? Mike Greer. You said his name like five minutes ago, didn't you? No. Oh, you didn't? When, how would I know the Sharks GM? I said they should fire their GM. I don't have to know his name to fire him. All right. That's true. I'm sorry. Here. Let me, uh, let me I, I, say something nice. Um, Macklin Celebrini looks good. There you go, Sharks fans. If there was any. Oh, our buddy Brendan is a San Jose Sharks fan. That's the closest team to. Yeah, he doesn't watch hockey, but he's a Sharks yeah. fan. <laughs> should we should we tell him? No, he knows. He sent me a screenshot the other day where they did. before they had won their second game when they were like one ten and one. He's like, come on, yeah, it's worse than it looks on paper too. You should have been like, yeah, but I mean, like, what do you think of Fabian Zetterlund? <laughs> See what he said. League leader or team leader in points, Vapian Sutherland. Yeah, four goals. 
<laughs> he's only he's only like halfway to Connor Bedard. Get fucked, Fabian Zetterlin. All right, we gotta talk about the Kings. The Kings are like the polar opposite of some of the teams, like especially the Oilers. The Kings have just been good and looked good. Currently eight, two, and three. 731 points percentage, 94.5% chance to make the playoffs. 94.5. Let me read you Vegas's again. Vegas's current percent chance to win the playoffs, 65.7. The Kings, 94.5. I, I saw that. Just cool with that. I, I saw that and I was like, I, they must account for what? Like strength of schedule or? Strength of schedule. And underlying stats, things like expected goals, goals saved over expected, high danger okay. chances, things of that nature. Currently, Kings, third in expected goals, fourth in point differential. Cam Talbot is fourth in get goals saved above expected. It's a, it's a strong underlying numbers team. Yeah, I think I actually just picked up Cam Talbot. So I had to make some goalie moves. He's having a very good season. He's another one of those guys. That's not sustainable, right? This is a journeyman goalie. There's no way he's going to be fourth in the league in goals saved above expected. Remember he had that last season, he kind of cratered. He cratered, not craters mean, but he played so bad. Well, that's not much better. <laughs> he was so rough. There's really no nice way to say this. He was the shits to the point in Minnesota that they traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. Talking about the old guy that still got it. Yeah, but the prior year, he made the All-Star team. He was, had, a, had a great year. If the All-Star, you know, team really is, means anything is the nhl the least important all-star team nba nba matters more nba matters more because that's like an actual picture of the top players nhl every every team gets a player yeah i'd also say the nfl is just pretty whack i mean it's it's fan voted and then also all the good players who got knocked out of the playoffs are like i'm not fucking going to do this and so nba then, is also fan voted by the way yeah i mean oh okay that's just like, like Mac Jones ended up cubing the AFC team his rookie season because everybody else was like, I'm not going. I'm, I'm good. Pro Bowl quarterback Mac Jones. Yeah. I think the Kings are in like a beautiful spot right now. LA. LA. But no, they're playing really good. <clears throat> they're not one of these teams that are on a crazy run where you're like, when is it going to level off? You know, when's the variance going to stop? They're going to come back down to earth. For example, their goal percentage is 59%. Their expected goal percentage is 57%. They're playing good the way they're supposed to be playing good. Based on some of those numbers. And yeah, they're, they're, just... they're hitting their underlying numbers. Exactly. And that's what you like to see. They're just kind of out there in the ether playing really good while everybody else is focused on the other people. And those are the teams that once the playoff starts... Like the the Knights last year, or yeah, the Knights last year just played really good throughout the year, and they got to the playoffs, had all the pieces together, and went on the run. I feel like the the Kings are kind of in that that spot right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's it's the reverse of the NBA. The Kings are just really good and efficient, but they play in LA, so no one's talking about them. Like if this was the NBA and the Lakers were playing as good as the Kings are right now, they would already be hanging banners. Who do you think has more people come to their games? I think the Kings do very well with attendance. Who do you think is the more popular team? The Clippers or the Kings? Ooh, I bet that's close. Yeah. I bet that's way closer than you think. I bet it's still the Clippers, though. Probably. I mean, I was 
gonna say the Kings, but then I was like, ah, Clippers got Kawhi, PG, and LA is just a basketball town. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, gotta while we're talking about the Kings, gotta talk about this Kimpe Kopitar Quentin Byfield line. Yeah, what the fuck, man? This line is so good. They've been outrageously good. You want to talk about old guys that still got it? Anze Kopitar. Byfield. Oh. <laughs> Byfield, I think, is like 21. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he was that old. Yeah, I remember Byfield. It was never going to happen, but during all the speculation and drama around the Eichel trade, I was like, oh, man. Kings, we get Byfield. Like, I want it so bad. Really good two-way center. Big. Him and Thompson down the middle would have been beautiful, but it, it wasn't meant to be. Kopitar, to go back to him, what is he now, like 35? I think he's older than that. I'll look it up. Put it this way. He was on those two Stanley Cup teams that were, what, 10 years ago now? He's 36. Yeah. I mean, he he was on those teams. And for him to basically be the last remnants of those Stanley Cup teams and still be playing at the level he has over a point-per-game pace, still leading a line, he just hit 400 goals on, oh. in his career. Stick tap. Congratulations. Yeah, stick it, tap. Stick taps to Anze Kopitar. Yeah, not I'm glad just, that someone's finally recognizing you. Right. Not to just sit here and give flowers and fellatio the Kings all day. I will say that Pierre-Luc uh, Dubois trade, not looking amazing. It was Velarde and who else? Ayafala. Yep. You got there just before I did. Yeah, I like yeah. Velarde and Ayafalo. I don't think they're having great seasons, though. Here, I, can, I can look it up real quick. Believe it or not, I'm not totally plugged into everything Winnipeg does right now. Really? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll retract my statement. Alex Ayafalo, 12 points on the season so far. Plus okay. minus a four. Only taking two penalties. Good on you. Good on you, Alex Ayafalo. That's what they say about him. They say smart player Ayafalo. And I think Velarde's just been hurt, right? <laughs> I think so. He was the one who was younger... And the better value. I follow is older and expiring. So, like his contract's expiring or he's expiring? <laughs> he's dying. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think the Kings made that trade and gave backed up the Brinks truck to Dubois for him to have. I mean, it's not terrible, eight points through 13 games, but I think they expected him to be a little bit higher on that list. Yeah. So, it uh, looks like. Velarde, I'm trying to pull up his specific stats. He's been out for a few weeks at this point. They say four to six, it looks like. So I, I guess to, to, to kind of round this out so that we're not spending the rest of the afternoon talking about the Kings, you can't, you can't really hold the Velarde aspect of it against them. He's only played in two games, one assist, because he's been injured, and I've always been good. So maybe you're right that the Pierre-Luc Dubois aspect of that isn't looking great. Like, uh, they traded away two people, or three people, I guess, but the tr- two, two top-end performers, and they got back a guy who's not playing up to his potential. But it, that's the, really the only thing you can ding them on right now. That and that they're getting probably unsustainable goaltending out of Cam Talbot. It, it's pretty crazy that, just to go back real quick to that, that line you mentioned of Kopitar, Byfield, and Kempe, those guys are all... They're technically three centers. <laughs> yeah. And this team just has center depth. Like, they got, obviously, Dubois. He's on the third line. He's playing okay. Probably not what they wanted. But then, like, Philip Deneau, 
who's only 24. They have, like, so much depth at center that they basically took three of them and just put them online together. Yeah, and you know where that really shows, too? They are So they're, they have the 20th-ranked power play by expected goals. Like, their power play has not been very good. But their five-on-five play, first in the league. They have, mm-hmm. they have just an unreal five-on-five play, which is incredibly sustainable because that's what most of the game is. And it's because, like you said, with the center depth they have and the guys that can puck handle and pass and make plays, it's just fuckers all over the, the roster that can, that can move the puck and pass it, man. Yeah, I, I really like this, this Kings team. I liked them going into the season, even though I liked the Knights more. Currently plus 1,800 to hoist That's a Lord Stanley's bet. Cup. That's pretty it, good. Like, I, I don't think that they have, you know, a, a ridiculously high chance of winning or anything. But at plus 1,800, this team might be just pure roster-wise. What? Top five in the league? I'd say so. They have good defensive yeah. depth. Like, it, who's definitely ahead of them, roster-wise? Ooh. Colorado. Colorado. Vegas? Vegas has a phenomenal roster. Um... Dallas? Yeah, Dallas. They may be a little in our minds boosted by the unreal first line. Yeah, but they I mean they they have they have they have good defensive pieces too and an outrageously good goaltender. Oh yeah. I, I wouldn't have I, mean, I guess the Bruins do, the way they're yeah, playing. That's, I, and they're they're getting they're getting good play from young players too. They're getting good play from guys who I poo pooed on. I was like, this is your depth. This is where your center spine now. This is what you're doing. It's never going to work. Go home. You finished. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's the, who's their, their, their like super young guy? Uh, Trent Frederick. Is that, that, that their center that's playing out of his mind? Yes. Anyways, we're once again talking about the Bruins instead of the team we're talking about. But seriously, top five roster. They're... Uh, they appear to be well coached. They have a good mix of veterans and, and young players, and then just a, a outrageous center depth. If if Cam Talbot, if this is twenty twenty three twenty four Cam Talbot, for sure bet that plus eighteen hundred. Last thing was, it's funny you were like, "What are we doing? We're talking about the Bruins again." Is because when you were talking about how good they are on five on five, I almost said they're the inverse of the Oilers. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's just a couple notes uh, remaining here. So to to go through the other the other teams on in in the Pacific, uh, Mike, if you have any Ducks thoughts, they're seven six and zero, five thirty eight points percentage, six point four percent chance to make the playoffs, and a goal differential of zero. I know I didn't bring up goal differential for anyone else, but having exactly zero is very Thanos. Everything must have balance of them. I wrote one note down for the Ducks that mm-hmm. I wanted to like remind myself to hit, and that is Leo. <laughs> Carlson's looking really good. In general, I know this isn't like totally uh, Pacific-related. You got to agree. Really good rookie class so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, we were talking about that for the NBA, where I was like, could this be an all-time rookie class? This NHL rookie class has, has a shot at it, man. Bedard, Carlson, Fantilli. Uh, who's the guy that I... Logan Cooley. Although he's not a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's that, yeah, he's a rookie. He didn't get drafted yeah. this year, but he's a rookie. There's some other guys who didn't get drafted. Levi, year, but... he's also in the Calder class. He's starting to get it going. He he's been on IR, but I mean, he made the opening day roster. 
Zach Benson, if he comes out and also goes on a bit of a tear, like this could be a definitely a rookie class to remember. It's been a lot of fun to watch these guys cook. Mason Mc. Oh wait, I don't think is he still a rookie. Mason uh, McTavish. No. He, he played too many games last season. But that, that's the other note to make about the Ducks is Mason fucking McTavish. Everybody was like, "Oh, Zegras, Zegras." No, Mason McTavish is the franchise boys. <laughs> yeah, you you know you know Chell better than I do. Like the game, not the the sport. I mean, you know both better than I do. But has there ever been a player that'll probably end up being worse than Zegras as a cover athlete? Oh, man, I don't want to hammer the poor it's, kid that hard, but it's really the what was it, Trent Dilfer that one year on Madden? Peyton Hillis. <laughs> Peyton Hillis. It's really the Peyton Hillis of cover athletes. Madden, Madden twelve. Yeah, that, that's very rude. <laughs> I think Zegris still has time and hopefully he'll get better. But this season has just been brutal for him. Like, I think Zegris has the has a future as like a second line wing or third line center, right? Mm-hmm. Like an NHL player, but not, I, I don't think he'll ever be like a heart contender or anything. Yeah, I don't know. This could be the struggles last season and this season. I mean, it might just be karma for him showboating out there with those those Michigans. <laughs> Why do you hate the Michigan? It's, it's just a... I don't really hate, you the, hate Michigan. the Michigan. up until we start talking about college football, then you love the Michigan. I, I don't hate the Michigan that much, really. I just... I think it's a fun, like, old man yells at clouds thing to do. To get upset about the Michigan goal? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, your boy? Sure. Your boy, Troy Terry, 11 points on the season. Having a very good year. Yeah, it's almost at a point per game place pace. Uh, let's keep scrolling down here. Uh, just keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Trevor Zegers, two points. Yeah, one goal, uh, one assist, minus four overall. How the fuck does Ranko Gudas have twenty eight penalty minutes in thirteen games? I have, I have no idea. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, his time on ice per game is eighteen point four zero. They got this. I wasn't super familiar with him going into the year, and I can't even say I'm still super familiar. I can't even say now I'm super familiar with him. But uh, Pavel Minyukov, Minyukov, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. That's like eight points. He's he's a rookie. He's been playing really well for him. Oh, they got my boy, Bushi Ilya Bushi, Alex Kalorn. <laughs> yeah, that I'm is. On the whole, though, pretty rough. Okay, Franco Gudis is not top line. Radko. Um, what am I saying? You're saying Ranko. I don't think so. This is like your Ed H- Hockenoli thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love throwing ends into the middle of words. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, we're not really going to get a chance to talk about him. Calgary Flames, 4-7-2, and two, yeah. 10 points, 0. .385 points percentage. Mike, any thoughts on the Calgary Flames? No, just... There's bad teams that you love watching the the fire burn, the the ship sink, the chaos. And there's young bad teams that are fun to watch for the young players. Then there's just boring, old, gross bad teams that you do not want to watch at all. That's the Calgary Flames. Yeah, minus 12 goal differential. Jonathan Huberdeau turns out to be a sham. Never believed in him for a second. Nazem Kadri should have just taken whatever pennies the Avalanche was offering and stayed there. Uh, You know. Should have, uh, maybe you shouldn't have traded away Maddie, Maddie Kachuk. He was going to leave anyway. They had to do uh, it. I think they should have franchise tagged him. Uh, last note, Seattle Kraken, 5, 6, and 3, 13 points. 464, 
points percentage, minus 11 goal differential. Mike, you got any thoughts on the Seattle Kraken? Oh, Powell, I always obviously. knew Morgan Geeky was the only thing holding this team together. <laughs> I said it. I said it for years. Yeah. Owen Power obviously should have won the Calder. We're all, we're all learning this now. Ty Cardi. I like him. Um, I don't know why they still refuse to, to play what's-his-face they, they got in the first round last year. Yeah. Wh- what is the deal with Shane Wright? No one knows. Is he, is he playing on the fourth line this season? No. No, he hasn't been. That's so weird. Shane Wright has one NHL game this season. That is ridiculous. You know, it's even more hilarious. I don't know if Cap Friendly's uh, line combinations are not the most reliable. They're a little bit like um, projected instead of like what they've actually been doing. Mm-hmm. But there's no way they're really running Kyler Yamamoto on their top line. Is there? Oh, man, I can look this up. No, yeah, they are. Currently, their top line, Matty Beneers, Jared McCann, Kyler Yamamoto. Okay, so that is correct. Oh, well, their latest line here. They need, that, they need to bump Ticardi up there. I guess their official lineup now has Shane Wright as the fourth line center also. No, yeah, so I guess it's one NHL game. one fucking game. Must have been the last game, right? Must have been the last game, yeah. yeah. Which I, you know, unfortunately did not watch. Um, let's see. If we go to the last 10 games, Shane Wright is averaging uh, 6.03 time on ice per game. Yeah, I guess, again, one thing I'll say about the Kraken is in hindsight, not really hindsight. A lot of people said this would happen. I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt. They really are an island of misfit toys that had kind of like this fun run last year, but it just wasn't sustainable. Their team on like overall is old, really, outside of like Berniers and Wright. Which is so, going to happen when you're two, three years in yeah. to a franchise. Like yeah. all, all the players on this team are guys they took that other teams were like, yeah, go ahead and take them. Yeah, you, 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 you can have them, so... Beneers, Wright, and Ty Cardi, I think, are going to end up being the the spine of this team in the future. Yeah, I think Which if... is a good thing. Like, that's, you know, two or a winger and two centers. Yeah, I think Shane Wright projects. He should be, like, a phenomenal 2C. Like, that great two-way, selkie <laughs> caliber center. That just fits slots in, in right? The comparison going in was uh, Patrice Bergeron. Exactly. I think. All right, Mike. Well, before we get out of here, oh, you got one more thought? You got something oh, you want to say? Last thought. I think if this team is still like around 500, getting close to the trade deadline, they could keep fighting for a wild card spot, but they probably shouldn't. I think you start unloading your veterans to playoff teams, getting draft capital, young players, and set up a better future for yourself than the way it's looking and- right now. Just in case there is any Kraken fans in here, I do just want to give out the asterisk. They have had Andre Burakovsky has been been injured pretty much the entire oh, season. Yeah. Jordan Eberle's hurt and Brandon Tanev's hurt. So three of the I would say three of their best ten players, six players, seven players yeah, are that, hurt right now. Definitely three big con- contributors from the playoff run last year. So that's very true. All right, Mike, you got any uh, any final thoughts on the Pacific Division? If you had to predict the final standings, throw that out there real quick, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. So final standings, I'm going to go Knights, Kings. I think the, Can- the Canucks will regress, but they're still a playoff team, so I'll put them third. I think... Jesus, picking the fourth team in this division is going to be really hard. You know what? Just fuck it. I'll say 
I'll say Seattle, but probably not in the playoff. Like I don't know if either wild card spots are going to be taken here. No, I think I think both wild card spots are are going to be taken in the the central. Yeah, probably. So I'll say Seattle, Edmonton has to get somewhat better eventually, right? They could be four or five, flipped it, and then you got Anaheim, Calgary, San Jose. Yeah. So the bottom two teams right now in the central would be uh, fifth and sixth in the Pacific. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go same thing as you. Vegas Kings, Canucks. I'll give four. To Edmonton, five Seattle. I think Anaheim probably falls off a cliff a little bit. Um, just giving them the benefit of the doubt, though. And I think that Edmonton still makes the playoffs. Despite what I just said about the Central taking both wild card spots. I'm yeah, an inconsistent I... person, all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like, Winnipeg is the third team in the Central right now. Yeah. I don't know. They've... We are we going to pick apart another division next week? Ooh, you want to do you want to pick apart if we're going to pick apart another division, let's uh let's go let's go back home talk about the Atlantic. Yeah, buddy, let's do it. Yeah. All right, Mike. Plugs out the door. Uh you had on Saturday come out yesterday, 2 days ago? Yeah, it came out Thursday night thanks to uh you being awesome about dealing with me never hitting deadlines, which I always appreciate. Um so there's that Get ready for it next week. Once again, we got, if you're on, on anywhere in the world, um, 14 minutes to the kickoff for week 11. Big noon showdown between Michigan and Penn State. And uh, as far as stuff I should be plugging, right? <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Town Alone Mike. And also, I've been kicking around some ideas for a pro wrestling related column to try to get some more wrestling content on the site. But also, AEW Full Gear is on the 18th. So next week, you will be getting the latest Talent Alone predictions for wrestling pay per view. I missed them. I missed them. We haven't talked about wrestling in a minute. Been a minute. Uh, yeah. Uh, every week, you know, if, you, if you've listened to the first half of this podcast, you're obviously a basketball fan. Every week, I have my League Pass watchability rankings come out. Still trying to figure out kind of the format of it, just with the, the actual spreadsheet itself. So that's a work in progress. Uh, Team Talent Alone, which is going to come out today. Typically, that comes out on Thursday, but had... Just some life stuff getting in the way. Wasn't able to get it out. So we'll get that out today. Talking about QBs and stock up, stock down. Follow me on Twitter at Town Alone Adam. Uh, mostly I, I tweet out the stuff that we post, but occasionally I have some thoughts I, I throw out there. You can email us at townalonepod at gmail.com as well as follow us on all the major socials. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Uh, I don't think we're on Facebook and we probably never will be. Because if you are on Facebook, you probably don't know what a podcast is. And uh, Mike, I believe you said you were going to have a hockey article come out today. <laughs> He's not. He didn't say that. I just wanted to see the shock on his face when I when I volunteered him for something. I was just like, all right. I was like, oh, fuck. I don't remember it. Michael, just lie. Lie. Like, oh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's it. I, I don't think we have a sign off here. You know, watch hockey and basketball. Giddy for six man of the year.